There's people there at the back. Welcome back. Some of you have uh, been gone for a while. There's a big hole in the middle. Um, that's what the bears did, right? They, <laughs> they had all these holes in the middle and, you know, I think that'll be the season. I'm sorry, Bobby. You know, Bobby's of the opinion that we're going to win the Super Bowl this time. But I'm sorry. Oh, just one game? Okay. All right, all right. I will go with that. <laughs> just one game. But I... Um, well, let's pray. All of us need to fast and pray for the bears <laughs> this whole season. <laughs> because... Uh, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. There'll be, we'll need to come up with some special counseling strategy for uh, my brother here and Bobby and a few others who'll be totally depressed. What happens to... I mean, they started booing them, right? That is so sad. They should have given them hugs because they were just being nice to our neighbors. You know, what's wrong with creating holes in the middle? Um, so, uh, <laughs> he's still shaking his head. <laughs> on, on a more serious note, there is, of course, a lot uh, going on in the world that we need to be praying about. Uh, you know, um, we, we need to pray for our uh, sisters and brothers in, in the Bahamas. And every time I, I look at those pictures, it's, it's so depressing, isn't it? So awful. Um, and we don't know the full picture uh, of uh, all that our sisters and brothers have experienced. Um, well, and that's one of the reasons why I, I work so closely with Covenant World Relief, because um, there are boots on the ground right away. Uh, and, and that won't go away. You know, one of the problems with news media and a lot of relief organizations is relief organizations supply immediate relief, there's food, water, uh, maybe building of houses, but then they'd go away after that. Do a quick job, you know, of building and then going away, but, but that's not the way in which people's lives are destroyed. So there's a need for people to go and do sustainable work for the next 20 years. It doesn't change overnight, and so... There's five-year plans, 10-year plans, 20-year plans, um, uh, giving the gospel, uh, rebuilding people's lives spiritually, uh, economically, physically. So, so let's pray. Let's pray for organizations like that that are now beginning the process of helping our sisters and brothers. And then we also need to be praying for other parts of the world. There is a lot going on in Hong Kong. We need to be praying for our sisters and brothers there who are going through a lot of turmoil. There, there is, um, um, we don't know what the future holds, um, but we know that, um, that our sisters and brothers want to, uh, want to be free to believe what they believe in. To, to um, uh, a number of them are very profound believers in Jesus and and they don't want that to be taken away from them. So let's pray for Hong Kong. Let's pray for um, uh, what's going on in Afghanistan. Uh, you know that um, uh, our government has pulled out of talks 
with the Taliban. Um, that was today's news, and um, we need to pray for, uh, for Afghanistan and pray for the gospel, pray for people that are coming to know the Lord, who are trying to make a difference in places like Afghanistan. Um, there's a lot going on in Russia. There's a lot going on in Europe. Brexit is the big thing, you know, whether uh, th there is going to be a resurgence of violence in Ireland. I mean, that's the big concern in, um, in these Brexit negotiations between uh, the British government and the European Union. Um, so let's keep all these things in mind for prayer. Um, I'm hoping that uh, along with Brian, we're able to work out perhaps a prayer calendar for, for you all that's uh, put out by Sir Globally of, uh, of the Evangelical Covenant Church, where every day you're able to pray for individuals in a different part of the world and people that are serving, uh, our missionaries that are serving in, in some of these uh, spaces. So um, I don't see Brian here, but... Um, we, we should be able to bring you a calendar that you can pray. Pray for these parts of the world um, on a regular basis. We are continuing our journey from Hebrews chapter 12 on, um, on the, this, this marathon run called life. How to negotiate this marathon journey. Um, uh, Pretty, pretty adventuresome journey. Um, um, it's a journey that has um, um, lots of stumbling blocks. It's a long journey. Um, and, and very often, um, uh, uh, let me give you a, uh, um, an example of my marathon run uh, in Boston. It, it goes through hills. It's up and down. And, and to prepare for, for the run, I had to find hills. But, but you know, Chicago is flat. There are no hills here. So I drove around and I found a hill. Um, I call it, um, it's right next to Techni Towers. Have you been there? There's a Costco there. Then there's a hill. There's a golf, uh, um, um, golf milk, no. There's, there's a golf, whatever they call it, uh, there. And uh, so I said, hmm, a hill. I'll go just up and down the hill. So that's what I did. For sometimes I'll do 10 miles there, 20 miles just up and down the hill. And it was so boring, but that's what I did. I did up and down the hill, and there'll be cars going up and going down because these are golfers, and golfing people don't want to walk. They get in these carts and go places because they don't want to walk. And so these people will see me running, and they'll pull out the window and say, What? I saw you doing this two hours ago. You're still doing this? And so that's what I did, all because I knew that Boston was run up and down hill, and sometimes it's down, and, and, and that takes quite a lot of toll on your quads, and, and sometimes it's up, and it goes on for a whole mile, and, and um, you're okay until um, you reach something that's called a heartbreak hill. Do you know where is it? The 20th mile. You have gone through all these colleges, Wellesley College, where, of course, it's called the Wellesley Tunnel, where a mile before you reach Wellesley College, you hear this roar. And there's all these 
you know, people, students shouting up and down, and they hold that for five hours or something like that. And then after you've gone through Wellesley College, Wellesley College, I think, is the 13th mile. It's the midway of the marathon. And then you think things are going well till you reach the heartbreak hill. And the heartbreak hill is not one hill, but it's about five to seven hills. You just keep going up, and you just keep going up, and you say, when is this going to end? You know, there's heartbreak, then there is more of a heartbreak, and, and then you wonder, why am I doing this? What am I doing this for? Which is a question my wife asks me all the time. You know, you must be crazy or something. Why do you, why do you run all this stuff? So, 21st mile, your cramps, and it can be really hot, Boston Marathon, but you, that's when you ask the questions like, why am I doing this? And that's the question that we ask ourselves many times in our journey, in our run called life. Right? Why am I doing what am I doing? It's a question that my brother Vladimir asks all the time when he is studying for his PhD dissertation. Why am I doing this? Right? I mean, you do come to that point where you ask the question, why am I doing this? Why am I, why am I working here? Why am I not doing something else? What is the meaning of our vocation in life? Is the question, and usually we ask that question at critical moments, when we are tired, when our mind is tired, when our body is tired, when our emotions are giving up. That's when we ask those questions. Why am I doing this? What is the meaning of my vocation in life? Why am I doing what I'm doing? And very often in my marathon runs, um, I have made it a point to, to pray for the stuff that I'm raising money for. So the Boston Marathon in 2009, for example, when I had those questions in my mind and I'm running and asking the question, why am I doing this? I'll start praying for, for, for those kids in, in the Boston uh, urban areas to whom that money would go or the girls who are rescued from slavery in India. And I would ask, I would pray, start praying for those people because that is the vision. The vision is not the marathon. The vision is those people who will be rescued. And there are people who are giving money to rescue those people. Those are the kinds of things that we need to keep in mind when we are running this journey called life. So I want us to go into some vignettes of people who are a part of Hebrews chapter 11 and who are alluded to in Hebrews chapter 11. Remember last time we talked about we, we run this journey, we run this journey shedding all the stuff that impedes us so that we go on and we persevere and we endure and we train for that endurance. And as we run, we're looking to Jesus. How did people do that in the past? And that's the question that we want to ask ourselves in these ensuing uh, weeks. And, and the person that we want to engage with today 
is a, is a prophet by the name of Isaiah. Because I want to deal with the issue of that initial calling. Remember, that's the issue, right? When we go through hard times, we need to always return back to, what is my calling? What is my calling? And I'll end up, toward the end, to talk about vocation. The word vocation comes from the Latin terms voce, voce. And it means voice. And the whole issue is, what, are the, what is the voice I'm hearing? And what are the voices I must drown out in order to listen to the right voice? That's what makes our vocation. And there's three voices that are very, very primary to listening to the voice of our vocation in this marathon run called life. One is, am I listening to the voice, the voce of God? That should be primary. Secondly, am I listening to the voice of human beings who are crying out for help? Remember, the primary thing is, am I listening to the voice of God? Then secondarily, am I listening to the voice of human beings who are crying out for help because they need salvation? And then when these two voices meet together, then I find my own voce, my vocation in life. The voice of God, the voice of human beings, or the voice of creation, I would say to my students, you know, when you're studying biology and botany and zoology and economics and all that, you're, you're listening to the voice of creation. You're listening to the voice of humanity, sociology, whatever it may be. That's where the two voices intersect with my voce. And I find my vocation and I go on with life because I know I've heard the voice of God. So, let's listen to how did one of these marathon runners find his voce. So would you arise with me and let's read together Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6. It's in the New International Version. I like the New International Version. You know, there's a million English translations. But I think New International Version has been the classical evangelical translation. I was introduced to New International Version when I was a new Christian. It was the late 1970s, about 1977 and thereabouts. My, um, the person who brought me to the Lord uh, uh, nurtured me at the University of Delhi. Uh, he gave me a copy of this New Testament, and it was called the New International Version, and it just opened another different world in front of me. And that stayed on as the classical evangelical translation. And so I'd like for us to read this in Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 and all the way to 9. Sit together. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings, with two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying, and they were calling to one another, 
Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of His glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe is me, I cried. I'm ruined, for I'm a man of unclean lips. I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I send me. And he said, go and tell this people, be ever hearing but never understanding, be ever seeing but never perceiving. Lord, we pray that you would enable us to hear your voce, that we may know what is our vocation in this world. Speak to us, O Lord, in the name of the one who became incarnate, Jesus our Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Please be seated. You know, it's very interesting. Yesterday I was meditating on the word incarnation. Um, There's two words in the the Hebrew language. One is the word gospel, good news. And the word for good news is uh, basorot, basorot which is related to the word basar, which means flesh. And it's so powerful that God spoke to us by becoming flesh. That's what is called enfleshment, which we call incarnation. And that is the vision that Isaiah saw. The enfleshment of God. It's so powerful, isn't it? Because in different religions, you have different ideas of God. One is called this transcendent image of God, where God is there, I need to please Him, because He's going to smash me down to death. If I don't please Him, do this, do that, you know, go to prayer five times a, a day, or whatever, and do this, this, and this, or kill so many people, whatever it may be, this God is going to smash me to death. That's the transcendent God. In Hinduism, you have the idea and in Jainism and in Shinto, which is the religion of, of Japan, you have the idea of God is everything. He's in the mountains, he's in the sky, he's in the trees, he's, he's in, down, in the ground. Everything is God. It's only in the Bible that you have the idea that God is creator, but he becomes flesh so that he suffers with us. That is the vision that Isaiah saw of God. But it always begins with the idea that something is wrong. So let's see the words again and tell me what are some of the words that come to your mind when you think about vocation. So as um, um, the words are up on Isaiah chapter 6, I want us to uh, reflect on some of the words. What are some of the words that comes to your, come to your mind when you think about 
our lives and vocation in life. Purpose, purpose, yes, yes, yes. So life must have a purpose. That is true. Purposeless life is a horrible life. You know, I have I talk about students that come to the university. There are those students that come for a purpose. And there's those students, I don't know, what are you going to do? Why have you come to North Park? I don't know. My parents paid the money. They set me up here, and that's why I'm here. And for four years, that's what it is. It's a purposeless studying. So purpose, very important. What else? Oh, yes. Some people hear, and they really don't hear, you know. Hearing and not hearing. Hearing, not hearing. Not really hearing. Some people are like that, you know. Some people just, and I see that in my students, you know. Some people are, they're looking at me and I don't know, they're not really hearing, you know. That's what we do to God also, you know. God speaks and we say, Lord, I'll do this. And God says, I know, you're not really hearing. So, yes, some people are like that. Holiness, holy. So it says three times, right? Holy, holy, holy. In Hebrew, it's kadosh, 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 kadosh. So of course, of course, the meaning is uh, uh, the, the the question is what does kadosh mean? What does what does holy mean? And it's got a whole complexity of meanings. Uh, it, but it's stressed three times. He's holy. Don't mess with him. He's holy. Don't mess with him. He's holy. Don't mess with him. Also, it refers to the Trinity of God. He is holy. He's holy. He's holy. So there is a range of meanings there. Commentators will tell you. Um, this is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And he is holy. What else? So Isaiah's response? Yes, Isaiah's response. Isaiah's response. Isaiah's response to holiness, but also the worship of the angels is rather interesting, right? You would think, you would say, Hallelujah! Amazing worship! Look at this worship band! What an amazing worship band, right? So uh, David Kim is sitting in the back. What if you say, whoa, whoa, me, why did I listen to this band? That's what he says. Woe is me. All I see is my utter despicability. I think that should be the response to worship many times. We have, you know, we are, uh, we, we are, we live in a society where we think that, that we, every time it should be, we should be all happy and joyous, we should jumpy and all that. The response to worship of the angelic beings is, woe is me. And from that comes out vision and vocation. Do you ever wonder why our vision and vocation is so superficial many times? Because all we want is superficial kind of worship. This is worship that gets down to the core. 
of our complete despicability, our, our utter inability to grasp the idea of God's vision. That's what Isaiah gets at. And that's so powerful as you look at this text here. What are some of the lessons that we can draw from this, uh, from, 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 from these few verses in Isaiah's building of his vision? One is that it's built on the lessons of past runners, right? So it begins with, in the year that Uzziah died. I think funerals are sad. They are very hard. But also funerals are time when we can come to grips with what is the meaning of life. That's when we come to understand why am I living? What is life all about? Now, Uzziah, the word Uzziah means God is my strength. His name was also Azariah, which means God is my helper. And he started off well. He, he started off when he was 16 years old. He became the king, and he was good to begin with. He was pretty good. He, he followed in the direction and advice of people around him. He had put... Um, uh, had a, a, a group of advisors around him, people like the prophet Zechariah and all that. He would listen to them and, and things were going all right. And that is found, the description of that, you can see that when you go back home uh, and open up your Bibles, is found in First Kings chapter 15, I beg your pardon, Second Kings chapter 15, and it's found in Second Chronicles chapter 26, where it talks about how he begins off well, and he listens to the listens to the advice of of advisors like Zechariah, and things were going all right. But as he goes on in life, something begins happening. He he begins to lose the vision and his vocation, and and he brings in these worship of Molech and Asherah, and horrible things start happening. And when horrible things start happening, then he goes into the temple of God and he says, I am God. And God says, not so fast, kiddo. He's struck with leprosy and he dies a leper. He dies a person that no one wants to be around. But he starts off well. It's a very interesting word that's used there in Second Chronicles chapter 26. It says, he goes into the temple of God because he thinks that he is the glorious one. And the priests say, don't you ever think you're the glorious one. There's only one who is glorious and that is God himself. Do you know that word is used earlier in Exodus? Often it's translated as Pharaoh hardened his heart. Pharaoh hardened his heart. That word that's used there is the word kavod. He made himself glorious and said, I am glorious. 
You, Moses, your God, I don't care about your God. I am the glorious one. And God said, let's see who's glorious. Uzziah died. It's not about his death, but it's about his life. He began off well. His marathon run in the beginning was good, but it didn't end up well. So many times it's good for us to look at the, the lessons that we can learn from those people who ran well, but others who probably ran, began well, and did not end well. There's all kinds of runners, and we need to learn from their lessons, the lessons of life. The second lesson that we run, run, learn here is that, that it begins with, it begins with this vision of God. Who is this God? If you look at the words very carefully, it says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, I saw the Lord. And the word that's used to describe God here is not capital L-O-R-D, but it's capital L, and then there's small letters O-R-D. This is, this is the word that's used of the incarnate one. This is the word that's used of the God who comes down to suffer for human beings. And that's what Isaiah needed to see. Because he was in a place of utter despair and needed to see this vision of this God and really see this God who suffers for human beings. And it seems to me that that's the vision that we need to offer as a church to people who are in that place where Isaiah was. To say, let me introduce you to this God who becomes man in Jesus. And he becomes man so that he would suffer for you, so that he would die for you. Come to him. He knows what you're going through. That's what Isaiah needed to see. And I think many times when people are beaten down, that's what we need to tell them. We, we shouldn't come, come to them with this iron rod or the staff and say, good Christian, good Christian, good Christian. That's how you become a good Christian. People need to see this God who will hug them and who will say, I can suffer with you because I suffered for you. And so Isaiah sees this vision of God, and, and then he sees the vision of those people who are runners there. It goes on to say here, he sees the Lord sitting on the throne. And this whole idea again here is that Uzziah is not God. He needed to see that God is God. You know, that's, that's a good lesson in our marathon called life. You and I are not kings of our lives. If only we realize that God is king, we call him Lord Jesus Christ, then let's treat him like Lord Jesus Christ, that he is the king of our life. He needed to see that, that Uzziah is not king, but God is king. This person that suffers is king, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe fills the temple Above it stood these people who are these angelic beings with fury um, um, wings and, and, and fire coming out of them. 
These are people who are flying around and, and they are covering there with six wings. With two of them, they cover their faces. With two of them, they cover their feet. With two of them, they fly. It's, it's, it's as if they are saying that we are utterly inadequate in the presence of this God. And what do they sing here? He's hearing the voice of these amazing runners in heaven who are saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. Now that is capital L-O-R-D. Do you notice that? The first word is capital L, but then small letters O-R-D. This is capital O-R-D. This is the God who introduced himself to Moses at the burning bush. This is Yahweh. This is the Lord. This is the transcendent one. He's the transcendent one who is the God of all beings. And then it goes on to say, the whole earth is full of his glory. You see the same word? That's Kavod. Uzziah is not full of glory. The whole earth is full of his glory. That is the vision that Isaiah needed to see. And that's where the journey begins. Your vocation and my vocation should never begin with our brilliant ideas. They'll always fail. They'll always come to an end. We will always have questions about that. But if it is rooted in and founded in our very clear idea of the vision of God, it will last. And that says the whole earth is full of His glory. See that? That's the beginning and that's the end of the mission of God. And then as He hears these voices, he also begins to realize his utter inability. It has to go with utter inability. That's one of the things I've learned in running marathons. Every time I start a marathon, I say, this is going to be hell. This is not an easy thing. You should never take it for granted. It's a marathon. That's what life is. And we have to come and say, it is not in my ability. I may have earned my PhD and blah, 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 blah. I may have had hundreds of years of experience in ministry. It has to be rooted in my utter inability. I am a person who's got unworthy lips. My thoughts... That's what it really means. My, in the, at the deepest level, I am not able to do this. And not only that, but it's the voice of the people. And I, I come to realize that this is a hopeless situation. You know, all the stuff that is taught many times. You know, my vision is to serve the poor or to serve this particular race or to serve this particular population. I think that's all a bunch of nonsense. If it's not grounded on the vision of God and my inability and the inability of people to turn around and be transformed, then it's not going to be a lasting marathon run called ministry. It has to be based on the fact that only 
God can do this. I am only a vessel that God is using. And as we do that, then we hear the voice of the broken humanity in reality. The three voices mean the voice of God, the voice of broken humanity, and the voice that is deep within me that's being transformed by God. Where the angelic being comes and touches my lips deep within. And he says, this has cleansed you. Now go and run that race. Because you're running that race from the right perspective. And you and I go and run that marathon journey because we've heard the voice of God. Would you pray with me? As we spend these moments in prayer, I'm going to request you to to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit and ask yourself the question, why am I living? What's the meaning of my life? What is my vocation? And if you're floundering around, would you, would you pray and say, Lord, I want this vision from you. The vision of God. Kadosh, Kadosh, Kadosh. Yahweh, Adonai, Elohim, Sevaot, Melochol Haaretz, the whole earth, all of Vernon Hills, Libertyville, Chicago, Chicagoland, United States, Argentina, Korea, India, Europe. The whole world is full of your glory, O Lord. Would you pray that God will cleanse you from deep within, with that coal from the temple. Cleanse your tongues, your deepest motivations, so that all that trash would be removed. And that you'd see the vision of God. That you'd hear the voice of broken humanity. And then go into the world with that vocation. Even if they don't hear, you go with that voice because that is your vocation. Would you do that? Oh Lord, hear these prayers. Hear these prayers so that we as a church and as individuals would be carriers of your voice. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. We want to bear that in our vocation. 
in the name of him who became flesh incarnated to give us the good news of this salvation in his name we pray amen